Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host on this adventure into the uplands and uh, the training fields, the backyard, and all those places you socialize, your bird dog. Got a lot to cover in this one, including uh, the main topic. Uh, I want to thank Callie Parmley at Gundog Magazine for giving me the assignment. Just showed up in their book last month. Uh, I get so many questions about... uh, getting a new dog or getting a first dog. We're going to address those. I'll have some gentle suggestions and observations based on the, oh, uh, five or 600 dogs I've watched over the years. Uh, We'll delve deep into the whys and wherefores, the breeds and personalities of the dogs and the people who might own them. That'll be our main topic. But we have a lot more to cover. In fact, I'm going to preview our Fur Feathers Friends event for this year. A um, little different, a little bit more inclusive, and everybody can get involved, and everybody could win a prize as well. We'll also cover the Upland Nation Glossary on the letter J this week. And um, your dog's favorite birds... Yeah, we're going to ask everybody out there what their dog's favorite birds are. And we're also going to ask about your own favorite birds. Uh, When you're training, do you use a training bird? So all of those coming up in the Upland Nation podcast made possible by Roughland Performance Kennels, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, and make a note, also by FurFeathersFriends.com. So, it's training season, and a lot of you are out there doing it. Uh, I know I am. Every day, in every way, trying to get Flick steady to wing shot and fall, and kind of just polish up the retrieve thing. When he's a little distracted, that's our biggest problem. He'll bring the bird all the way back and lay it at my feet. Now, I don't mind that most of the time, except, you know, I'm such a bad shot that if he lays a wing-clipped bird at my feet, it may run off again, and he may or may not be inclined to go get it one more time. You, you're doing a lot of steadiness work. Some people are working on water retrieves. A lot of people are working on... Uh, that um, uh, that whole idea of obedience as it uh, applies to a field situation. But all of those involve something near and dear to my heart. And I'm looking out the window as we speak at my pigeon loft. And many of you have the same situation, same setup. I thought I'd ask on Facebook, who uses training birds? And do you get them from your own loft, from a friend or a club? And what kind? Or... Are you a wild birds only proponent? And how's that working for you? Richard Elliott says, I'm partial to homing pigeons, but believe wild birds are the finishing touch. He's absolutely right there. Uh, No birds, no bird dog, as George Hickok said. Callie's dad, Jay Hobbs, says, Your dogs are better dogs with training birds, period. Travis Hampton keeps a coop with pigeons and chuckers. Hey, Travis, do they get along okay? I've been tempted to do that a few times. He uses them for preseason tune-up drills. That, and like many of us, he likes listening to chuckers. John Sauer has raised pigeons for a long time. He said they scent really well. Isn't that the truth? Man, 
you can smell them yourself downwind of a bunch when you are um, doing what I'm doing, which is working on this Covey flush thing. I swear I can smell them. John, I get it. He flushed them and they flew right back to their, yeah, they're the only training bird that you can use over and over and over again. Robert Murphy, I feel your pain. He said, I trained with homing pigeons. I tried quail once, but it only took 15 minutes for all of them to escape. <laughs> I remember making a show many years ago and we needed we needed a bird uh, for a close-up. So we, we borrowed a bird from from somebody. It was it was a live bird. Uh, and it was in a preserve, so we had we had a bunch in a box for for that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, so, um, so I pull the bird out of, it's a Bob White. I pull it out of the box and I hold it up for Tad so he can zoom in. And the moment I stop holding hard, the bird says, this is my chance. And sure enough, boom, out of there. Happened three times before we finally got the shot. Yeah. Slow learner. That's me. All right. Jack Gable says he keeps pigeons, quail, chuckers, and pheasants. Keeping them means making training setups where we can get them back. Pigeons, of course, will home. Significant access to wild birds would be preferred. Whew! He writes me an essay there. Go on the Facebook page and uh, take a look at what he has to say. It's quite useful. And finally, Tom Williams says, Back in the old days, with a frowny emoji... It would have been wild because they were everywhere. The only need for training birds or bought birds was for pointing dogs, steady training, and retriever training. Still true. We just need more of that. Tom, thanks for your observations and your little history lesson as well. Yeah, if you want to get involved, the best place to do it is the Wing Shooting USA Facebook page. Uh, thank you all for kicking in on that one. Sure enjoyed it. And we'll have more, actually. We're going to talk about your dog's favorite birds uh, coming up later in the Upland Nation podcast. In the meanwhile, we are brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, crafted at the highest caliber. Sign up for the mailing list. Get first notice on all the new products as they come down the pike. Always free shipping, whether it's uh, lubrication, hardware, tools, cases, accessories. It's all right there, including that... Pretty cool gun cleaning, uh, I'll call it a boar snake for lack of a better term. It's just way more advanced than all the others out there. Learn more at sageandbreaker.com. And if you're into learning mode right now, go to LegacySports.com. Get yourself an online or a hard copy of their 2022 catalog. If you're shopping for a new shotgun, whether it's a high-end gun uh, to upgrade your own situation, maybe a youth gun or something, if you want to go from a pump to an over and under or something like that, They've got a full line of semi-automatics, over-and-unders, youth guns, target, field, you name it, they have it. And many of them will come with that Cerakote finish in a variety of colors. Learn more about pointer shotguns at LegacySports.com.
You know, this uh, this podcast today, the subject matter ha- has been, uh, you know, preying on me for years and years. Uh, once a week, I'll get an email or a phone call for somebody saying, oh, man, I love that dog. I see it on TV. I want to get one just like that. Or somebody wants an upgrade from whatever they're using in the field, whatever kind of dog it is. They want to, you know, go to the next level, whatever that is. Um, You might be at the same point. Or maybe you're ready for your first dog. Uh, I decided finally to get it all off my chest. And lucky enough, as I said, Gundog Magazine was willing to take that story and If you are a subscriber, you can look it up right now. It's in the current edition of Gundog Magazine. But I thought I'd I'd touch on those same subjects here for all the people who who are at that point. You know, they're seeing everybody else with a new puppy or uh, they're starting their uh, training day schedule with other people in other places, meeting other kinds of dogs. And so... Whether it's your first dog or your next dog, you may be at the same point. So many others are wondering what breed is right for you. All right, now sit down, keep your mind open, because my top line suggestion to almost everybody, almost all the time, especially for a first dog, Labrador Retriever. Now, you know as well as I, if you've worked with them, and I've done a bit of that, I'll go into that a little bit in a moment, but um, any self-respecting lab will want to please its owner. In fact, they'll probably do backflips for you if you ask, and while they're going up, they'll ask how high. They won't wander out of gun range, especially if you do a little bit of training in that area. They'll swim the icy ponds, they'll crash through that standing corn, And most of the time, again, with a little training, they'll sit quietly in a blind. Now, a better breed might be in your future if you define better in a different way. And maybe that's, I probably should have edited that. A different breed might be the one you're looking for. But uh, most of the time, a great entry-level bird dog is a Labrador Retriever. All right, now... I know that sounds strange coming from a guy who's been in the wire hair world for over 30 years. But in that time, I have worked with, in one way, shape, or form, hundreds and hundreds, and I should probably do the math, but I've marshaled hunt tests. I've marshaled and assisted at field trials. I've gunned at both of those. I have been to dozens and dozens and dozens of training days with a NABTA chapter or other groups of one sort or another. I work with my own. Every year on the TV show, I hunt with about oh, 30 to 50 other dogs of all braid, all breeds, all shapes, all sizes, And these are some suggestions that might just be of value to you. Save you a few minutes of shopping time, for example, or uh, a little bit of angst over maybe the the dog that you thought you wanted, but uh, maybe you really don't after hearing a little bit more about them. That's my goal. I hope it benefits you. As I said, the first one, top line, Labrador Retriever. Unless... You, like me, fell in love with that first quivering 
high bulging point. Or you're looking for something that's a little bit different, looks different, or is more of a specialist, or is more of an all-around dog. In Germany, a Gebrauchshund. Many of us continue. Our entire life is spent searching for one dog that'll make us shoot better, look younger, and by the way, hopefully they know where 28-gauge ammunition is for sale. So here's, here's a start, at least. Now, these are just gentle suggestions. You have your own reasons, and if you've dug deep into any of this, you have more data available to you than most. But this is a starting point. Uh, in the magazine, they called it a buyer's guide, or maybe I called it a buyer's guide. I don't know if they use that. No, I think about it. Anyway, you know, a lot of the, um, the prevalent breeds got that way because, uh, well, for good reason. They hunted well. They attracted strong followings. German shorthairs came here in larger numbers after World War II with returning GIs. Of course, English setters were here for 100 years before that, imported by grouse hunters and got lots of great publicity in sporting magazines. The field trial world, out of which springs many of our kind of uh, criteria, our, uh, our parameters, they are big on the pointers, formerly known as English pointers. Uh, so we see all of them in one way or another. And then, of course, uh, demand begets supply and more information is now available thanks to the internet which exposed us to sushi hip-hop and of course many of those new more obscure gun breeds out of all of those at least among the few hundred that i've seen the only sure thing is that any dog may or may not exhibit all the traits typical of their breed. And that's on any given day. Let's not forget, there comes a time when even the best dog goes off the rails. So don't judge a dog by its cover. Don't judge a dog or a breed by a single field trial score or performance. Every day is a different day. Any day is just a snapshot. It's a recording of what's happening on that moment and only that moment. Now remember that every owner, too, will shape a dog's personality and performance. You know that. That's why we're here. We're talking about dogs. We're talking about dog training. We're talking about hunting. All of those things, we as humans have incredible influence over our dogs, how we train, what we train with, the types of rewards we use, the method we use for training, uh, all of those things will affect any given dog's performance. I'm just lucky that bad training and bad shooting can't bollocks up a bunch of bushy eyebrows and beards. Although I do use those as excuses once in a while. All right, so let's go hunting for a new hunting dog. Do you love the wide open spaces? I do. I was born in the wrong continent. I should have been born on the savannas of Africa maybe 100 years ago when the hunting was better. If you're like me and you like that wide open country, then uh, you're chasing prairie birds, sharp tails, maybe sage grouse, maybe huns, most of the time. 
if that's your cup of tea, then uh, you're probably looking at a pointing dog. Those birds will generally cooperate pretty well. And I might expand that to, to the Valley Bob White and Gamble's Quail, too. Pointing breeds require a little bit of training to hold staunch until at least the flush and maybe beyond that if, if you're into the testing world. You'll also want dogs that have some run in them for the vast rolling hills we chase the birds on or those flat prairies, the desert valley floors. All of those things combined uh, boil down to a few dog breed recommendations that might be, might be for you. German short-haired pointers, English pointers, English setters, some of the wire hair, German wire hairs will run big. Yeah, I'm thinking of you, Flick. Some of the Brittany's Vichlas and Poodle pointers, wow, that's a mouthful. Poodle pointers will cover ground and the challenge becomes sometimes reining them in. The other challenge is getting your dogs to stay steady when they point a dog at 400 yards and you're climbing uphill the whole way. Now, that is simply that, an obedience and training challenge most of the time, but a lot of those birds will kind of get bored with the scene and walk away after that or fly off. And so you got to deal with a dog that um, maybe has to deal with that. Now, there's a, a few ways to do that. The first is help your dog learn to creep or relocate their point once the birds move or your dog will end up breaking point itself and busting the birds out right about the time you get to the top of the hill and are catching your breath for a shot. So intense regular training for a pointing dog in the wide open country is a lifelong challenge or hobby. Yeah, over here, we do it every day for fun. Uh, but if it, it's not your, uh, you know, your idea of a good time, then maybe a pointing dog is not for you, especially a big running pointing dark dog. But... The upside is if you're awestruck by a dog skidding into an eye-bulging point, all the discipline and all the time is worth all the preliminary headaches. Now, you will need a loft full of training pigeons, access to grounds, and a lot of time. My goal has always been five days a week of training. Uh, hit it most of the time. Sometimes we get in six, sometimes we get in three. And as the weather warms, we're going to have to start earlier and earlier. But a pointing dog will need that much work if you want him to excel in the uplands where the big flying birds and the big running dogs come together. Man, oh man, we have a lot more to cover here at the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, I've got some more suggestions about the kind of cover you want to hunt and what dogs match. Plus matching a dog breed to your personality. So if you've got a specific kind of work ethic or a family situation, I'm going to make some more gentle suggestions and observations on that. We'll also cover your dog's favorite bird, as told by their owners on Facebook. We'll go to Jay in the Upland Nation Glossary, 
and I'll have a way for you to take a newcomer hunting and maybe win a shotgun. It's all coming up on the Upland Nation podcast. And we are brought to you in part by RoughlandKennels.com. Rough, R-U-F-F, RoughlandKennels.com. Love the side door on mine. Yeah, uh, front door, if you will, plus a side door. That way, no matter how I configure my truck, Flick can get in and out. Well, I can help him get in and out simply and with less confusion than most wire hairs experience most of the time. RoughlandKennels.com is where you can peruse the colors, the design. Remember, these folks pioneered roto-molded performance dog crates. And take a look at all the accessories they have available to hang on, mount over, attach to, or simply accompany your dog on the adventure we call bird hunting. It's all at RoughlandKennels.com. And here's a good chance for me to plug the next kind of fun and um, gratifying initiative we are doing here at the Upland Nation podcast and across all my platforms, and that is FurFeathersFriends.com. Learn more about how to get involved. And by getting involved, what I mean is the whole goal of this effort, as it has been in years past, is to get you to take somebody else hunting. We all have our own reasons for it. Personally, uh, the, it, it, you, you never know when you're going to lose a good hunting buddy. So take somebody along. Don't put it off. Make a date now for this season. Learn more about how just doing that, let alone joining us in here on South Dakota in October, could win you everything from an over-and-under shotgun to a peat boot dryer and a few things in between. Get on the mailing list. It doesn't cost anything. All you got to do is respond, and then you're entered to win all of that stuff and more and get all the details on FurFeathersFriends.com. And the Upland Nation podcast continues our adventure into dog breeds and why some are right and some are less right for you or somebody else you're talking with. Uh, I, when I wrote the book a few years back, I totaled up how many dogs I've worked with on the TV show to that point, and it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 300, and that was just on the TV show. Like I said, I've probably helped out at about 75 different uh, NAVDA events of one sort or another, and then a whole bunch of others for AKC and American Field and NASTRA and everybody else. Seen a lot of dogs in that time, and while I'm not an expert on any of them, including my favorite breed, German wireherd pointers, I have seen some things that might be of interest or value to you if you're shopping around. If you're in the upper northeast, northeast or the uh, upper Midwest and you love the thick stuff chasing rough grouse or maybe some bob whites down in the pine forests, woodcock or other forest grouses, maybe a closer working dog is best. Maybe a deliberate slower hunting style. 
closer range. Those are the things that I would look for if I was a guy chasing roughies most of the time. You might take a look at wire-haired pointing Griffons. Just love their look, and they're just a little bit more deliberate than some of their wire-haired cousins. Some English setters were bred for the grouse woods. Ditto some pointers. Make sure if you're shopping, that's what you find. You can relax behind a Spinoni Italiano. Yes, I've got a penchant for those wire-haired breeds, but they are ideal out of great close-working hunting stock. Now, caveat, when we test in the NAVDA program, all the breeds are expected to adjust their range to the cover at hand. So if you got a well-bred, versatile dog of any sort and you train it well, they might meet your needs. Now, again, if you don't want to work on pointing, plenty of happy-go-lucky flushers are on the menu. Size for everyone from methodical retrievers of all sorts. In fact, I met a, I think I told you this, I met, I met a, the first brown flat-coated retriever I ever met was at, at Pheasant Fest a couple months ago. And uh, so take a look at all of those retriever breeds. Make sure you get them out of hunting stock. Or take a look at some of the other flushing spaniels, the cockers from the right breeding, springers, and all those others, including the lovely and beautiful Boykins. They're hassle-free most of the time, except for the grooming nightmares on those longer-haired breeds. But all you need to train them to do is go out and come back on command. If you're lucky, you got one that will stop on the flush. Your biggest challenge might be keeping them in gun range, but again, that starts with breeding. All right, if you're a waterfowler, you love the marsh, you don't mind being cold and wet, you want a dog that doesn't mind at all. Coat becomes very important. Water retrieving is critical and biddability is a virtue. You know, for handled retrieves, blind manners, all of those things that are important when you drop a big mallard way out there. Well, that's why Labradors and Chesapeake Bay retrievers were engineered. There are other breeds that work as well. Many of them have that double coat like those two. Keeps them warm and relatively dry. And they've got that desire. They want to please you. They want to do what you want them to do. And in this case, it's hold still when the ducks cup their wings and then break only on command to lovingly and aggressively bring those birds back. You don't want a big dog like that? Well, consider a Boykin. I'm big on them these days. Pocket rockets that you can lift into your canoe. Water spaniels. Hey, it's all in the name. They're bred for it. And, of course, a plug for some of the versatile breeds if you're going back and forth, back and forth. You know, it's funny. One of the first wire hairs I ever met was at an AKC retriever test where it took the top position. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, but it's happening more and more. A friend's short hair just ribboned at another AKC re retriever test, so it can happen, and it's kind of cool. But they're bred to point, and in my opinion, the field is their stage. If I ever jump shoot a duck while I'm hunting with my wire hairs, I can count on them to bring it back, but I'm not going to make a habit of the retrieve 
or my ability to hit the duck to begin with. Yeah, I've hunted with a lot of media moguls, some who you know, founded television networks and governors, secretaries of state and a few others, but pro guides and old farmers, standing corn and head high CRP. If there's rough stuff in your hunting future, crop rows and well, what I'll loosely call pheasant country, then... Uh, then it seems to me that uh, all those folks have learned over the years the thing that I keep learning over and over myself. The ideal breed for pheasants in pheasant country is a Labrador retriever. Now, I've chased these sons of guns in eight different states, watched a dozen dog breeds bust brush and come out the other side, ears bleeding and eyes scraped. But if I lived in the Dakotas, I'd own a broad-shouldered lab that knows how to bulldoze its way through those stalks. Now, if you don't want that much dog, get yourself a spaniel that can jink and juke through the bottoms and put those birds in the air, then load back into the crate along with their bracemate. I've learned over the years, and this is just kind of a generality, and, and we all have those days when it works perfectly, but most of the time it doesn't work quite as perfectly with a pointing breed. First off, those pheasants will run dog-losing distances. I remember once on a, on a TV shoot, in fact, um, somebody's pointer was chasing, uh, chasing pheasants in standing corn. Those pheasants just ran until, well, they vanished over the horizon. And so did the dog. We spent a good hour looking for that dog. Finally, you know what we did? You might try this as a last resort. We took a beeper collar, turned the beeper on, put it at the corner where we were going to be back in a couple hours, let that thing beep and beep and beep. And sure enough, at some point, the dog figured that out and came back. We found him there just laying next to the beeper a couple hours later. But anyway, if you are a pheasant fanatic, you might want to look seriously at one of the flushing breeds as opposed to one of the pointing breeds. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. We got a lot more to come uh, regarding uh, this discussion topic. We're going to talk about you and what dog breeds might match you in just a moment. Let me also remind you, we've got the Upland Nation Glossary coming up, the letter J. Start thinking about that. If you've got a J for me, I'd sure appreciate it. A little scanty on the J's in the glossary. And um, we're also going to talk about your dog's favorite birds, as told by you. But first, speaking of you, a puppy is a 10 or 15 year commitment, and just to be honest with yourself, is the most important aspect of shopping for a dog. If you're unwilling to meet your dog's genetic potential as a hunter, then maybe it's time for you to take up fishing. Just being honest, save everybody a lot of time and trouble, and maybe save a dog's life. Don't go down that road, but you know what I mean. But if you are 
bound and determined to get a bird dog or a new bird dog or your first bird dog or or another bird dog, then maybe some of these will ring true with you. Hey, Scott, I'm new to hunting. I have a couple kids and I live in the city. All right, if that's you, then minimal training and maximum unconditional love from a Labrador retriever might be your cup of tea. Sound familiar? Yeah, they'll do a creditable job in the upland and they'll do great work in the water as well. They're the ultimate family dog and can't be beat if you want to dip your toe into the gun dog world. If you have a little bit more time and energy, a field-bred cocker, a springer, even a golden retriever out of the right uh, strains could be on your list. And since we're talking generalities and my own observations, uh, consider a female puppy when it comes time to make your request. By and large, they'll be more biddable. How about if you have the a tolerant spouse and you love wide open spaces? Call me. Let's go hunting. Dive headfirst into the dazzling world of pointing dogs. You'll need training birds and grounds for training. Miles of exercise every day. Then welcome to the cult. Buy a GPS collar and start working with your new best friend. It could be a short hair, a Vishla, Brittany, wire hair, Griffon, pointer, or setter. Yeah, you need a few things uh, to keep those kind of dogs occupied happy and one of those is a tolerant spouse all right what if you only hunt a couple times a year and most of the time what you really want is a jogging buddy that familiar refrain get yourself a labrador teach it two skills come and stay and you'll do just fine the fetch part is already in their dna so if you're a very, very infrequent hunter. You want a companion dog, and a Labrador just might fit the bill. But if that's all you do in the hunting world, maybe what you really need is is a pool table instead. Scott, I've had a short hair, and I want to try something new. Sure. You want one close to that? From a personality and performance standpoint, try a wire-haired breed. Or go farther afield, get a small Munsterlander or a Visla. You like Labradors and you're ready to upgrade, so to speak? Get a field-bred water spaniel or a flat-coated retriever. If you like pointers and you want to change a pace, try a spaniel. Fasten your seatbelt. Or take the plunge, couple of flusher with a pointer and, well, throw away all your other hobbies. I'm retired, slowing down, but I still love hunting with a dog. If that's your um, situation, and no judgment, I'm getting close. <laughs> if you want an easy-keeping, slower-moving, closer-working dog, here's my list so far. Wire-haired pointing Griffon, Spinoni Italiano, Clumber Spaniel, Bracco Italiano, Owen. Oh, did I mention Labradors? 
How about if you drive a vintage MG or you shoot old Parkers, you live in a home designed by Frank Lloyd Wright? Well, then you may be looking for a kind of a, a slightly different dog, kind of a cool, unusual, eye-catching. You better shop carefully because the, uh, the, the, the breed uh, selection, the, the gene pool is shallower in many of these breeds, but there are a lot of outlying breeds that now have strong support here in the U.S. and a close alliance with their parent club, usually in Europe. Look at the Brock Francais, the Brock Bourbonnais, Epagnol, Breton. How about the curly-coated retriever, the Seschi Fusek, or the Bracco Italiano? Yeah, they all have strong ties to their European roots that could help you should you decide to obtain a dog like that. Get ready for the third degree when it comes to buying one from a reputable breeder. Then go all in. Join the local chapter and the breed's governing club in the home country and enjoy your adventure into, um, I guess I'll call it a slightly more esoteric hobby. Unusual breed, less well-known. Oh, not for me. No, I'm a football coach or a retired Marine. Uh, well, if you are one of those or something along those lines from a from a, um, uh, I guess I'll call from a um, uh, personality perspective, then you need a dog that can cope with your dominant personality. Short hairs can usually do that. Pointers are right in there. Chesapeake Bay Retrievers. Some German wire hairs are that tough. I'm not advocating that you use tough love per se in your training program, but if you are just a little bit, if you lean forward when you sit down, you want a dog that can handle your personality. Springers can do that too. But softer dogs like English Setters, most of the Cockers, and most of the French dogs respond better to a light hand in training. If you're looking to avoid angst in your life, then don't... Well, let me put it this way. Don't go with some of the obscure breeds. You'll need one that will respond to your particular laissez-faire attitude. Flushers, probably more your style. Or a pointing dog that you you are happy with that points birds and then breaks at the flush, for example. You want to consider coat maintenance, so get a dog with an easy-to-clean, easy-to-pick-out burrs-from coat. Cockers don't have that, but they will idolize you. Labs, hey man, if they could, they'd wear your high school ring. And neither of them needs to point either. Wash-and-wear dogs, no headaches. Fewer headaches, I shouldn't say that, I'm generalizing. Now, speaking of generalizing, thank you. That's all those are, some gentle suggestions, but they may end up paying off for you as well. So if you are looking, perhaps those thoughts are of benefit to you. I love them all. If I could afford to feed them, I'd have a whole kennel, fill, kennel full. Until that day, I'm like you. I search for the perfect breed to help you and to help me eventually, but I'm, you know, I'm still a wire hair guy. Don't worry, Flick. I doubt that you're last in the line. 
And the good news is they're all perfect if we're honest with ourselves and our expectations. This section of the Upland Nation podcast is all about reminding you that if you can't exercise a dog five times a week all year, if you're not a passionate hunter, get an aquarium. If you're looking for a four-legged manifestation of your toxic masculinity, find a therapist, not a dog breeder. But if you're willing to live the life, or if you're still in it and you're looking for something different, welcome and good luck. And think about a Labrador. Uh, I've got more in the article, dig into how to buy a puppy or even a started dog. It's all at Gundog Online. If you're not a subscriber, please get involved. It's a great magazine. Callie Parmley, the editor, has made some incredible changes over there, all for the better, and uh, love the look of the magazine. We've got a lot more coming up, including the Upland Nation Glossary, your dog's favorite bird, and a chance for you to win a shotgun, a boot dryer, a very rare real bird bumper. It's all coming up on the Upland Nation podcast. First, we're brought to you by Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. They have something for every activity level and every life stage. Now they also have supplements, toppers, treats, and all sorts of other great things to add that are all natural and all put together formulated and created by Dr. Tim Hunt, a veterinarian and sled dog competitor. The guy knows about performance. Always free delivery, 30% off your first order at drtims.com. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about our first dog or our next dog and, uh, if first or next applies to your shotgun, well, then you want to reach out to Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School. MidValleyClays.com is their website. If you like an auto loader and you're shopping for one, you can't find what you're looking for, take another look at the new Maxis 2 line from Browning. Yeah, the new Maxis 2 from Browning has adjustable stock, ease, of loading and unloading is one of the keys. It's light enough. If you use an auto loader, it's got some of the features you may not find anywhere else. Take a look at all of that and more and see if you are a candidate for a Browning Maxis 2 from midvalleyclays.com. And welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, we're up to the letter J in the Upland Nation glossary. And again, a little light on the J's. So if you got any suggestions, drop me a note somewhere. This one was fun. I didn't know this. Did you know J for JIP? J-I-P. A lot of folks will spell it G-Y-P, which is probably closer to the old English version, which probably came from some other foreign, obscure language. JIP, especially among the hound community, refers to an unbred female. JIP, J-I-P, or 
GYP. GYP is our entry this week in the Upland Nation Glossary. All right. So I asked on Facebook, and I, I, I'm astounded by the, the, the answers. Uh, granted, they're really your favorite birds, but I asked what your dog's favorite bird species was and uh, got some great answers. Uh, Michael Augello says, Woodcock, it's the one we have the most experience with and shows me a great picture of his. Uh, you know, I think it's a, a griff, isn't it, Michael? Kind of hard to tell with the coat wet like that, holding in its mouth. A woodcock, of course. Gordon Vavrick. Yeah, welcome to the club, Gordon. Chucker, by far, he's got a tailgate photo of his wire hair with a... Probably looks like a limit in most states of Chucker. I love that. Eric. Hey, Eric, you still owe me a podcast interview. Eric Thompson. Chuckers are her hands-down favorite. And by her, he means one of his lovely, beautiful, in-shape, wire-haired pointing griffons. Those hills are where she built her confidence and the bird she had in her mouth the most. And that's a great picture. Kind of a, oh, it's a video. Okay, I'm going to play it for you. Yeah, she, she just brought it back and now she gets another nibble. Not really, literally a nibble, but just a, you know, just a chance to hold it. And the, boy, I love that idea. Eric, we are of like mind on the training for the retrieve. And Spiegel loves them all. No, Anne's dog loves them all. They're in Pennsylvania, so it's woodcock. Quail and feds when they come out west. Grouse numbers tough last year. Do not see nor shoot as many as they really wish they could. Matt Templeton says his dog got a pointy tail. That's all I... Oh, I can't tell what it is, but um, his dog loves pheasants, especially if Water retrieves are involved. Felton, Jenkins, good friend. Gray Partridge, of course, I know. You and Dean and me and Flick. See you next season. Steve Selvig says, Huck and Drake, a griff and a springer like them all. Prairie grouse, high on the list. Quail and woodcock, right up there as well. Jay, I'm going to say Netner, says his dog loves anything he manages to hit. Almost exclusively these days, pheasants, but woodcock uh, can be crazy when the migration comes through. His dogs loves them all. And Lance Larson, great shot of one of your beautiful Weimariners with a pheasant in its mouth. What else is there to life? Thank you all for being a part of the Facebook page at Wing Shooting USA or the Upland Nation Facebook page. I talk to you both on both of those pages all the time. Appreciate that a lot. Okay, so I've mentioned Fur Feathers Friends. Started out as a chance for us on the TV show to honor people in uniform veterans and active duty military we would bring them together and take them hunting first on a very low-key basis then the next year we had 150 folks show up at ravenwood lodge in kansas half of them dog handlers many from the navda organization the other half folks to be guided active duty and 
uh, retired military. What an incredible time. This year, everybody can take place. Yes, we're going to have a little gathering, very low-key, in Huron, South Dakota. If you want to join us there, you're welcome to have a few campfires, do a podcast or two. Just share the fellowship, which is what it is all about. Learn more at furfeathersfriends.com. And like I said, everybody can be involved because this year I want everybody everywhere within the sound of my voice or all my social platforms to please, please consider it your invitation to take somebody hunting for the first time, for another time, for what may end up being the last time. Yeah, maybe I'll go into those details later, but take somebody hunting, make a commitment, go to furfeathersfriends.com, tell me who you're taking, and you're entered to win all sorts of prizes. There's a great picture list of all of those prizes and all sorts of ways for you to be involved for feathersfriends.com michael gello he's already said yes he's taken someone hunting this season their name is tom suhaki fraternity brother goes by the name earl and they're going to take archie which from the tailgate picture looks like a beautiful wire-haired pointing graffon they're headed for nebraska hey maybe i'll see you guys there Bringing the whole NAVDA chapter. Oh boy, that'll be a party. Thanks a lot, Mike, and everybody else who's already gotten on the mailing list and told me who they're bringing. Yeah, learn more at furfeathersfriends.com. And with that, I thank you for being such kind listeners. I hope you enjoyed and maybe learned something about your next or your first dog from my gentle suggestions and observations. If you left a rating or a review, especially at Apple Podcasts, I sure appreciate it. Man, oh man, are we growing, not just there, but everywhere else. I'll leave you with this quote. It's anonymous, but it is spot on. Choosing a dog may be the only chance you get to pick a relative. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Until we meet in the field... Maybe I'll see you at the range.